Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Celtic lost their first league game of the campaign on Sunday and if they keep playing the way they did in that second half then it definitely won't be the last. Lots to cover tonight as we dissect that defeat by Kilmarnock and the latest setbacks for Brendan Rodgers in his second spell as manager. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and tonight I'm joined by Miff and Joe as we cover all things Celtic. Miff, your opening comments after that horror show. Horror show, rugby uh, Hello Tino, hello Joe. Um, Hello listeners, not really too much to say other than it was pretty poor, way below the standard that you expect and probably more worrying for me is the tone the manager struck at the end of the game, almost one of resignation rather than defiance. I was hoping he'd come out in a spiky manner, the way that he'd done last week. Remember, remember we, you enjoy spiky Brendan. We called him spiky Brendan for most of last week's show. But he, had, he seemed to have the kind of fire in his belly last Sunday after St. Johnson and I thought, this is great. That's going to be one of those moments that you look back on at the end of the season and go, do you know what? That's St. Johnson half-time. That was the moment that, that galvanised us and, and got a tune out of these players. And then seven days later, Joe, you turn in what honestly I think might be the worst half of football I've seen Celtic play in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I, I, I can count so many games in the previous managers where there's been that one defining game I mean I remember Lennon three each against Kilmarnock funnily enough that was a real game changer I think Rodgers' third season there was St Johnson away one four now Forest got a few goals I remember there was a few games like that where there was a turning point and again I thought that as well with St Johnson a couple of weeks back but yeah it was it was just a bit disappointing it felt it looked very deflated Rodgers um, compared to the couple of weeks before and you know, I know we'll go into a bit more detail, but maybe sent the message that maybe he's not really expecting much more for what he has at the moment in time. And that's uh, maybe a message to upstairs to get the fingers in the pockets a bit. I think for me, if you listen to the tone of the podcast since the summer, you'll definitely pick up that we haven't been overly happy and the recruitment was always got to come back and bite us. And it has, I think, or it has been over the past few weeks because the level of performance hasn't been great. Even if you think of the team that finished the Hibs game, you know, it's so far removed from what you'd want a Celtic team to be. But there's reasons for that. You know, you need to rest players. Rodgers can only work with what he's got. Any Celtic team without Vickers, Hitati, Maeda and Abada is worse off, regardless of people's indifferent opinions on specifically Maeda and Abad. I know they can sometimes uh, kind of split opinion. But the four of them together, if you think of a lot of the success 
that, that Ange had in the past couple of years feeding into this season. I don't think there's been many times when all four of them have played together this season. And the four of them were really, really pivotal players for the previous manager and the success that the team enjoyed. So as much as, you know, won't take much for me to go after Rodgers because I don't like him. But whilst he's a Celtic manager, I'll back him. I think that you need to give him some allowances around the players that aren't available to him just now and also the players that he has effectively been given as, as transfers who I can't imagine for one minute he's actually truly wanted. What is the most baffling thing to me, and I've said it so many times, and I'll repeat it again, I just don't get why he's come back. I don't get it. it, it none of it makes sense. I don't get why he's agreed to come back, but then agreed to take those players when they're not his players. There's just there's just that disconnect for me when you're winning all the time, nobody bothers. When you're not winning, the spotlight turns. And I think there's been enough tepid performances this season that it's quite right for us to ask questions. Ask the questions while you're on top. Don't wait until it's too late. Yeah. Do you think, just a straightforward question then to follow up on that, Muff, do you think the Celtic hierarchy, you know, led, I suppose, by Michael Nicholson, Chris McKay, the finance guy, Dermot Desmond, whoever makes the big call that Brendan Rodgers comes back, do you think he's been sold up up? Do you think they've told him one thing and done another? It would appear to me, yes. Yeah. Is that your feeling on it, Joe, as well? Um, I mean, I don't think whether it was Rodgers' first spell or any other managers come in, I think any sort of assurances that any manager can be given won't always come to fruition because, I mean, like like to Jota, I wasn't really expecting Jota to get sold in the summer. I don't know if Michael Nicholson was really expecting Jota to be gone in the summer. I, I don't think Jota was expecting Jota exactly. to be gone in the summer. So, there's, there could be a case, obviously you need to be prepared for that eventuality, but some things might not have just went according to plan. Um, now, in that case, given that we've got 25 million in result, that sort of surprise departure, surely you've got plans in place to sort of replace it. Now, I know we've signed Palmer, but we've still got another, you know, 22 million in reserve as a result of that transfer. So why, you know... Rogers come back for a reason. I think the reason they left in the past was because he wasn't backed enough. You know, I, I do agree with you, Muff. I think there is definitely a sort of. I don't really think they've worked up to their side of the bargain, the board, in some way. Because um, Rogers clearly has suggested so many times after uh, the transfer window shut in August that he hasn't got enough. And injuries just obviously just make that worse. So The, the baffling thing is. Yeah, he effectively left over a, what seemed to be a disconnect between him and the recruitment team and whoever was making the signings. He's now come back and it seems that that disconnect is still as, as strong as ever. There's, there's now mixed messages coming out, aren't there? There's Roger saying that he has final say in the signings and then he kind of started to backtrack a wee bit and saying, you know, they weren't all his doing and all stuff. So a lot of things don't quite add up. I've seen a tweet earlier today from a fella, uh, Brian McJay, and he says the... Brizo. Bryzo, he was basically, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's pretty much the same team, give or take Jota and Starfelt. It's not, right? And I've made the point there. So at the moment, he doesn't have access to Jota and Starfelt, who are out the building, Abata, Abada, Hatati and Maeda, who are obviously injured. Uh, and at the moment, the replacements for those guys are the likes of Yang, Scales, Forrest, Turnbull and Johnson. Listen, I, I like Mikey Johnston, I'll go on about it again, but that is a downgrade, no, no matter what way you want to look at it. If, you, if you've got any knowledge of football and if you've watched these... Ten or so guys I've mentioned five out, five in. Then it's not a good a good look at all. Can I just ask a question? Mm -hmm. Are you feeling okay? How come you didn't mention Quan? 
the Quan, don't worry, he'll be starting against Feyenoord, Miff. I've got, I've got that one all sewn up. We'll, we'll get to that later on. Tell you what we'll do, a wee bit of housekeeping before we kick on. A quick reminder to everyone that as of today, Monday 11th December, you can now listen to every show we do here at the Celtic Exchange in one of two ways. Option one is to listen for free on the Celtic Exchange channel, wherever you get your podcasts, where the episode will feature ads at different points. Or option two, if you want to support us for a small monthly fee and to enjoy every show completely ad-free, then you can do so by joining the Celtic Exchange Plus right now over on our website at theceltichexchange.com. Either way, if you're enjoying what we do, then please take two minutes to leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. It really makes a big difference to what we do. If I want to look at the centre-half situation specifically, so after two years of real consistent performances from Carter Vickers and Carol Starfelt, uh, we've now been chopping and changing all season for different reasons, injury, form, whatever, uh, and it's now starting to cost us, particularly on Saturday. Talk us through what we're seeing from Nat Phillips at this moment in time and just how much they Celtic miss CCV when he's not available. Clearly we miss him hugely and I think there's probably a few warning signs there around maybe playing, playing as much football as Scales has. Um, starting to tail on him a wee bit as well. I thought he was pretty ropey against Hibs. Um, and he, he certainly does lack physicality, Liam Scales. I think that he's got away with or he's been able to establish a place in the team through um, being able to read the game, you know, which is an excellent a- attribute to have. But th- there are times in, in the Scottish game w- where you will be met with brute force and that team that was on the park, sp- specifically second half, couldn't stand up to that brute force. Um, I, what you're seeing from that, Phillips, is, is just somebody that, that's, you know, not of the required standard. And I don't know, listen, I don't want to be overly critical of individual players here because I think the team as a collective really need to take responsibility for the second half because it looked to me like we we were just a bit rabbit in the headlights and didn't know how to stand up to a physical threat when ultimately that's what you will get in Scotland so does that naivety come from the coaching staff does that naivety come from the players is it a lack of leadership on the pitch so we're still top of the league it's still in our hands and we are still the best team in the country but the, the slide in performance has been noted we've become pretty inconsistent which is not something you can normally level at Celtic our level of performance has become inconsistent and that's that's a worry but it all goes back to the summer it goes back to the summer and it goes back to the fact that we didn't bring in someone to improve the starting 11 um, you have a keeper who's not been challenged and I think that's shown in his general performance you have a left back that's not been challenged that's shown in his general performance the chosen replacement centre half is the last minute loan signing that you made when the guys that you've spent £6 million on are either not in the squad or sitting on the bench and not called in, who were actually playing at the start of the season and doing reasonably well. So what's happened since then that's made them be completely ostracised? Very odd, if you ask me. Um, <clears throat> you've then got a, a midfield where no player bit harsh on Iwata because I think Iwata's individual performance probably wasn't that bad but out of the entire you know available midfielders in the squad and there's plenty Hattati being injured not one of them have stood up and grasped the opportunity to be a first team starter not one and that's I'd maybe say maybe given a bit more time it could be Iwata because I think he's a good enough player but he had to go through every other midfielder before he landed back in Iwata. Yeah. This is Ryan yeah. Christie all over again for, for Rodgers, where 
he's not really given the guy a chance and then when he's coming in he said oh he's, uh, he's a cracking player and you're like well mate that doesn't really ring true with the game time that he's had we then persist with the system that we have when the two wingers that we're choosing are, are you know either weak or off form I think Palm was way off it just now he's really dipped in the past few weeks but again you're, you're going to get that he's, he'll still be acclimatising so there's mitigating circumstances around the dip in performance but what are we going to do about it? That's that's the question I'm asking. Or is there anything the manager can do about it? Joe, you'll have missed those mythologues uh, in your absence. I, really I think have. that was about six minutes of pure myth there. Yeah, well, would you rather I was shouting and swearing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm to channel man. it in the right way. <laughs> um, do you know what I think, you know, when you mentioned there this, just, just looking solely at Brendan Rodgers' midfield, it's clear that he doesn't know at this moment in time who his best mid- midfield is. Or more specifically, he knows it's McGregor and O'Reilly, but he cannot work out who this third man is going to be and he's now spent enough time Joe it's not like he's just come in last month he's been there since the summer spent plenty of time with the guys in at Lennox Town he's seen a lot of them perform in different games he should have a good feeling okay Hattati's a unique talent but we don't have him right now so therefore such and such is the next <clears> best bet but whether it's Turnbull Thiago Holm Bernardo and Iwata who've all been given the opportunity nobody stepped up to the plate I told you no nobody stepped up and you know as Miff said that obviously context is important um, likes David Turnbull who <sighs> has flattered in a lot of games his stats probably tell like if you looked at stats alone he would be you know on paper one of our best players the amount of goals he scores and you know I, I reckon his passing stats are probably up there that's why his stats don't tell you the full story um, but other than that you know Awata I, I agree I think Awata's done well since he's come in I always thought there was a player in there it was just a matter of you know I don't think he was ever really a centre half, which is what he was used as before. And right back in pre-season. And right back. So it's it's a, a really frustrating one because I think Rodgers has managed to dig himself out a few holes like this in the past. Um, but I think the simple answer is with better players. Yeah, there's no doubt in this. As Miff says and has repeatedly said now, it always comes back to, to the summer recruitment. You can dance around different things and talk about in-game decisions from players, from the manager, you know, things like that. But ultimately it comes down to, if you've got better players available to you, simple as it may, may sound, you'll perform better. I think as well, you know, just to take it back to Nat Phillips, there, there's different rumours, aren't there, about oh, Celtic are obliged to have him in every match day squad as part of the loan deal. I'm not sure how true that is. I think a lot of folk have guessed at that. But it is baffling myth that Brendan Rodgers has seen what he's been putting in and continues to overlook Navrocki eh, and Lagerbielka. And also, um, I think... The Laddie Williams Who's at Aberdeen um, Who Aberdeen took on loan for Liverpool Liverpool are threatening to take him back Because he's not been playing Right They can, um, they can there, take Phillips whenever they like note, <coughs> Excuse me There was a note on, on I think it was Twitter uh, Sorry X formerly known as Twitter um, That I seen today So Even even at that you, you wouldn't like to think That Celtic would be negotiated In at that position You would assume that we'd, we would be Signing someone who we felt was ready to go into the first team, and on paper again, it's you know <coughs> decent enough signing. Um, but what what we've seen the output on the pitch that we've actually seen from from that Phillips has been way short of the required standard to the point where you would say if Navroki and Lagerbielka are deemed not of the acceptable standard, surely we have a a centre half in the youth system that could produce better than what we're paying per week for, for Nat Phillips to give us what he's given us and um, yes but pretty that da- again comes back pretty damning in the in the recruitment this summer 
has left us with a, a squad bereft of quality, heavy in numbers, but bereft of quality. See, Miff, just as you say that though, that's actually just completely escaped my mind. But I believe the Lazio game two weeks ago that Stephen Welsh was a sub. Yep. Now, for someone that was given a three-year deal, which I think he was given just whilst he was injured. Yeah, the same day. Same, the same deal got injured. What's happened to him? Now, I know Big Yuki looks <clears> like he's out of the picture completely. He's, we've got a left-footed centre-half now in scales that I think that was the reason that we signed him by the looks of it. I don't know what the other basis was that we signed Kobayashi, but where's Stephen Welsh now last night? I'm not saying I don't rate him personally as a player. I think there is... I'd play, I'd play him before Nat Phillips I'd play him before a, Nat Phillips any day. But what you've got I is think you'd play Kobe Ashi Before Nat Phillips as well for, Based on the evidence That's been available I know Kobe Ashi Had a, a pretty rough game At Ibrox But he wouldn't be the only Celtic centre half That's yeah. experienced that What we're getting though Is you know With the various suggestions You're making there Is we're just seeing This inconsistency As I say For two years It was CCV and Carl Starfield And it, they barely blinked I don't think they ever Lost a domestic game together I think that's the stat as well and from that consistency That that, that was the cornerstone of, of the success under Ange You just had that every week Joe Hart performing well behind them It was pretty Pretty consistent And now you've got One week it'll be Phillips Then it'll be CCV back And then it might, Welsh might get thrown in at some point Navrocchi will likely get a chance Against Feyenoord for example And there's just no No regular pairing at this moment in time To call upon No and uh, Again you can You can hop back to previous seasons But as a reference point It's a reference point Because it's recent history the, the ten, when you're at Celtic especially given the vast recent success that they've had defeats are, are taken very very sorely you then start the inquest as to why why's that happened but I don't think it's this inquest takes very long because I think most Celtic fans who haven't been wearing absolute blinkers recognise that something like this was probably coming probably, yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't a huge shock to me that Celtic could beat it wasn't was a huge shock to It me. was the manner that they that they just it rolled was a over. Second half. And by the way, in in the context of the game, Celtic could have been out of sight in the first twenty minutes. Should have been. Absolutely. Celt Celtic been. started the game brilliantly. But they also could have been a goal down where in some ways could have done us a few favours. Well, and that could have gave us a shock. But they they actually one of my friends commented today, scoring was probably the worst thing that they did. Because they seemed to almost just try and play that out. I think Kilmarnock's historically been a very difficult ground for Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I've I've been down there when he's been turned over and drawn. Um, I think statistically it is his issue so, ground for Celtic. So it, it just isn't very very <coughs> kind to him. There's maybe been that tendency to get the goal and think brilliant, we've got the goal, we're up, let's hold it. But it's it's all unravelled second half, and I, you know this is a Celtic exchange. We are huge Celtic fans. I do think a huge degree of credit has to go to Kilmarnock because they, we all moan about what we see at Celtic Park. Low block, two banks of five, whatever you want to call it. You moan and moan about our oh, teams having a go. Hibs came Wednesday night, had a go, tried to play football. It was an excellent game. Kilmarnock have come out that second half and went, have some of this. We've just not stood up to it. That, to me, you congratulate Kilmarnock as you should and say, right, well played. But for us, it's got to be a massive lesson learned. It's excellent to have skillful players in the Scottish League. You need powerful physical players as well. It's got to be a blend and currently we don't have that. And Rodgers himself has, has said words to that effect. He needs more physicality in his team. Um, but I suppose there's one thing given the physicality. So we've had O up top for his physicality, Joe, but I don't mind physicality as long as you still stick the ball in the back of the net. And he's The chance he had and missed when Mikey Johnson squared it, 
he didn't know whether to use his left foot or his right foot, so he just used neither and let the ball run across him. And that was a huge chance. I think that was still a nothing each. Um, just to finish off in the centre half chat, though, uh, you might have read the stat on Twitter that Celtic have now lost five domestic matches, only five, so not too much since the start of last season. Cameron Carter Vickers has been missing for every one of those games, and that tells a real story that, that we already know. We don't need stats to back it up, but Celtic are far poorer when he's not there. I'm still surprised Neil Beaton never just rocked up. He's going to rock up the next couple of weeks and just fill in at centre half. He's around somewhere. Oh, no. um, let's go to the manager, Miff, because we've gone on at length about the failings of the summer transfer window and, and the players that he's got available to him and, and not available to him, which I think is fine and, and, and it's fair to mention that in his defence. But how much responsibility does Brendan Rodgers now have to take? I'll come to you first, Joe, on, on what we're seeing at this moment in time. Um, well, I think... This mass a post match I take taking from everything is I don't think it's anyone really solely to blame. As you say, Math, I think a lot of the summer has to go to blame. The players have to take the blame as well because they've got standards that I am not, I am under no illusion that Brendan Rodgers is setting high standards at yeah. Lennox Town and when he comes in the building, I think St Johnston last week sort of tells that that, you know, at Celtic you need to be. Every single game you need to be willing to win, you need to fight. And but ultimately, when I look at Rogers, I mean I'm looking at Kyogo is just the prime example for me that he's completely changed the way that our best player plays. And do you know what? For a guy that scored, I mean I think you said to me before the show, Tino, I think he scored thirty four goals. Thirty four, yeah. So why are we drastically changing <clears throat> how we play that is gonna make him worse than what he is just now? So there's a, there's a lot of folk, and I, and I really don't agree with this sentiment, but a lot of folk are saying, why did he change things? The, the way Ancher is playing was, was spot on. He just had to come in and make a couple of tiny adjustments, but we'll go as is we'll, we'll with the treble winners and all that stuff. You just can't, and you, you can't expect a manager to come in and say, well, I've always played in this way, but that guy Andrew's doing all right, so I'll just use his philosophy. It's just not how it works. We knew that Rodgers was going to come in with his own style, which in itself has been relatively successful for him throughout his career. I think it's fair to agree that he's been a successful coach and a very admired coach throughout his, his career so far but you're absolutely spot on in terms of the Kyogo thing he's got an asset there Miff who's certainly on last week, uh, last season's performance he's the best player in the country he swept the boards at all the awards does scored 34 goals in 50 games this time around he's got 8 so far from 23 games so he's almost played half his games from last year he's not got half his goals Miff and that is a that's as big a problem as any probably the biggest irony in it is that the team played in a manner in the first half yesterday which would have seen them benefit <coughs> massively. They, they got wide and, and got balls across the box. I know if we've been at home games recently, we've, we've not been doing that. <laughs> we didn't do it against, we did it in part against against Tibbs and that's how we actually got our goals. Um, but that's that's where you need that's where you need them on the pitch. Listen, I, I think, like I'd mentioned earlier, if, if you're, you know, main first choice wide men are, are out of out of contention for starting because they're injured or they're out of form surely we have to be able to try and change it and play two up front I, th I think Owen Kilgo would both benefit from playing with each other but we know historically I think I can remember when Rogers was previously manager I think he went 3-5-2 for one game played Dembele and Griffiths up front we hadn't scored and he changed it. you know I, I don't think he's somebody that's willing to go a number of games we changing the, the formation so I think the way we play is the way we play these managers who are top level managers and I believe Rogers a top level coach you know they also tend to be very stubborn as well uh, they don't they don't bow to the fans demands often you, you've seen how uncompromising and just I think Brendan Rogers is pretty much the same around 
the formation he wants to set up and the way he wants to play. I think the problem that he's got is he's just working with players that are below the level he needs to implement. I also think, though, Miff, that from what I've seen at the start of the season now, it was a very, very small insight into what I thought Brendan Rodgers was going to do, but I thought the way he pl- started to set his teams up looked very different to his last spell. I mean, I think we did, we did a discussion on here right at the start where we're talking about Joe Hart playing it long. Now, that was just a completely unknown thing for Brendan Rodgers to do. Now, I noticed that Pataudry, maybe it was specific to that game, but very, very, at the start, I noticed it looked, appeared to be very different the way that he set his team up compared to what he did before. Now, on your point about formation, I mean, I don't really agree with the two up front because it means you need to play an extra centre-half in theory. And I don't really see what's to be gained in, from the sense of it. I mean, if we're playing at Celtic Park. Do you mean if we go to a 3 5 2? Yeah. So if we go to a 3 5 2, to play two up front, I'm not really for that. What my issue is, I understand what you do with Kyogo, and he wants him to drop deep because I think he values him as a technically as a good footballer, that he wants him involved in the game. But you look at, I mean, I look at Wednesday night, the game against Tibbs. I mean, the, goal, the second goal, all scores is. That's the most Kyogo-esque goal I've ever seen. The Darton run in behind. The amount of times I've seen Kyogo that a season, I can count in one hand. Yeah, but that, you know, for the first couple of seasons with Kyogo, you'd go to the games and you'd see things that weren't quite picked up on the telly and you'd see him continually making the run and continually not getting the pass. But that was just a Kyogo thing. He would always make the run. And if, I don't know, if he made the run 10 times in a game, the players might pick him out once, maybe twice at a push. And he'd get his goals and that was fine. I just think what you're seeing now, though, as I say, he was top man, swept the boards last year. But he's also bereft of confidence, Smith. You've seen it against Hibs when he came on, trying too hard. That old cliche, isn't it? You know, whether it's him or, or O when he was getting his chance off the bench. Trying too hard is not a great place to be because you end up even worse than, than what you should be putting in. And I think that's Kyogo. I think Matt O'Reilly went to him at the end of the game against Hibs and tried to G him up. He could see that he was not quite at himself. And the the decline, you know, in the short time since Rogers has come in is quite dramatic. And we all talk about Rogers as a coach that generally improves players and Matt O'Reilly is a great example of that that's a guy who's absolutely improved I'm not sure who else out with O'Reilly has got better and some have definitely got worse Yeah but again I think it's a it's a big change for the for the, the squad they've, they've been fairly well drilled and working under the previous regime it's a change for them it'll benefit some players probably won't benefit others to go back to Joe's point about going three at the back I think Johnson could stick. I think Johnson's got a reasonable enough ability where he's physical enough that I think he could play as a right centre back. That's just my personal opinion. But that said, knowing if you look at Rogers' career, he's he's not done that. He he won't change. It's very unlikely that he will change. So what we have, in effect, are substandard players then being played on the wing to maintain the formation, mm-hmm. rather than keeping your best players on the pitch and finding a way to put them on the pitch in a, in a, a system that suits them. Now, when you bring in Brendan Rodgers, to go back to your point, you know, you know, why does he not just keep doing what Ange has done? It's never going to happen. You've got a serious ego that you're bringing in that's going to play his way. That was always going to be the case. And I think for most Celtic fans, you kind of pretty much accepted that, that when Rodgers was coming back in the door, that's what it was going to be. Um, I, I would say that and the question around blame, Rogers takes some blame, but certainly not all. I agree with Joe. Players need to have a look at themselves as well because the second half against Kilmarnock's actually about desire. Desire to win the game. Desire to keep the ball at the net. Desire to win your 
individual battles on the pitch, all the cliches that you'll tell your lads, you know, on the team that, that oh, you take. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, you're right, you know, it'll be, it'll be all that stuff. But, but it's, the, it's, it's the basics of football. Celtic didn't do the basics of football and they paid the price against a highly motivated team who wanted to do all those basic things. Tactics only take you so far. Yeah, 100%. And, and you heard the chat from Ian Crocker. He was saying that at half time, it sounds like Derek McInnes gave his team a rocket. You know, all sorts of chat in the corridors that he, he, he just went for them. And they've responded accordingly. But it's there's it's never acceptable for a, a team to be more motivated than you. And that was clearly what was the case over that second half. Technically, Celtic's players absolutely are more talented players than Kamalak. With every respect, that's just the, you know, the bottom line there. But we didn't have the desire, the work rate, the effort and all the basics that you need out with your tactics and your formation. Um, to take it back though, just to to Rogers' role in, in terms of the blame game for, for Sunday, it was clear from an early stage in the second half that Kamarnock had come out in the ascendancy and I think the stat came up on 53 minutes, four corners already in the second half for Kamarnock, X attempts on goal, all this stuff. Anybody could see that the game had very quickly swung in their favour so why aim after Brendan Rodgers wait so long to make his changes? His first sub was in the 70th minute, I think, uh, where he usually makes changes on the hour mark. Why did he wait 25 minutes into that half before he tried to do something? You need to try and break the momentum. If they're on in, in a good flow and they're in a good place, even just making a change of any sorts disrupts that, and we didn't even do that. Have we got Brendan online? We could try and get a call out him. But, got him. but no, in the meantime... No, well, I'll, I'll try and answer that. Yeah. I've not got a clue. No idea. No idea. It's a puzzler for me, Joe. Um, he, he listen. He's tactically very astute. We know that. Um, I suppose he's he's also stubborn. We know that too. But it's just so hard to work out why he didn't see what everyone else was seeing. Yeah, it's frustrating because I think for to use the old excuse that my bench isn't good enough. I mean, you had the top scorer in the league last year on your bench. Yeah. So in times gone by, I would usually use that as some way of a a cop out for him. But when you've got Hugo sitting on the bench. I don't really think that's ever an option. Um, but I do agree. What also frustrates me is we only made three subs yesterday as well yeah. when we did have a five. Now, I actually thought we could have stuck someone on with Kyogo. Brendan Rodgers has done this a few times and it just really, really annoys me. Just like, use your five subs and be a bit smart about it. Like, I think we've done it against Lazio and it's, I came to come back to bite us at home. We would, I think we maybe only used our three when really it was a time where we could have sort of changed things and it just... It just really annoyed me. Probably isn't something that would drastically change this, but I do agree that breaking the rhythm of the game and this, uh, you know, sort of disrupting would have probably done us a few favours. Um, you know. You've got this situation where, as you say, you only use three subs. Now, any one of Celtic's outfield players wouldn't have had any, couldn't have had any complaints if they'd been taken off yesterday because I think to a man, nobody performed well. Joe and I had done the post-match math and you're going through everybody. Palmer, let himself down O'Reilly got the goal And not much else McGregor looked off it Again um, Scales Far less assured Than he has been Phillips Jeez oh Don't need to get into that Greg Taylor Woeful man Really really bad From Greg Taylor Alistair Johnson Not the same player That we've seen before Yang came on And gave us nothing again it, it, Honestly nobody Could have complained Yang could have come back off Actually could have just went, ah, I've got that one wrong You can you can come back And sit next to Harry Kuehl cool For the time <laughs> being um, But as I said I, I just can't get my head around I can't fathom why you didn't do something and so Matt you've made clear your feelings that you you respect and admire Brendan Rodgers as a coach maybe less so as a character and that's fine and I think there'll be a fair few folk have got that same opinion I think he's a really talented coach I really do I was really pleased that when he came back 
And I still maintain he's the right man for the job, but something's just not right at this moment in time. I mean, Joe, where do you stand on it as, as a bigger picture? Is he still the right man for you? I know, and you know what? It's one defeat in the league, right? So let's calm down and all that stuff. You know, it's not a knee-jerk thing, but there's there's more wrong at Celtic than just that second half against Kilmarnock. I still think he's the right man for the job. Um, I think he's got a track record that I can trust. Um, you know, we're going through a bad spell just now, which... We went through under Ange, I mean, Ange, Ange's first season when we had a lot of injury problems. I think we had Owen Moffat coming on as a sub in the cup final where, I mean, Celtic haven't had a very spectacular track record when it comes to our youth set up and guys that were brought through that have kicked on to go and do better things. You can probably count one hand the amount of times it's happened in the last 10 years or so. Um, I think he is still the right man for the job. I think this window is very important. It's a very, very hard window to get exactly what you want um, you're better asking like a was off to take contactless because I think that's usually our usual market for signing players but um, I don't know It's I think he's definitely the man for the job I think there's just a lot more to it than just him I think there's so much more going on Miff do you have doubts that he's the right man to steer us to the title at least this season? He was probably the best available at the time um, when, when he came in I think we were all in agreement of that I just think the version of Brendan Rodgers that we're getting a sort of watered-down, sanitised version of Brendan Rodgers working with players that he clearly hasn't wanted to sign is just a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a waste of time for everybody. If you're bringing him in, back him, giving the players that he wants and needs to make the team play at the level he wants us to play it because he's got a track record, a proven track record of winning things when he has that, but he doesn't have that just now. So as much as, you know, it will not take much for me to stick it behind to Brendan Rodgers, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan. However, the, 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 what's happened between him coming back and the way that things have panned out with signings is just utterly bizarre for me. Yeah, and as I was saying, there is far more to it than just a second half display at Kilmarnock. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we just we just don't get sight on. So we, we fill the gaps in, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. I put a tweet out earlier this afternoon just saying that we're recording tonight if anyone had anything they'd like us to, to cover. Uh, and a fella, Paddy Garcia, asked a question, and it's a short question, um, but it's not a short answer, and I don't think anyone's got the answer. He just says, how exactly does the recruitment process work? And we've no idea, because the summer window is looking more and more shambolic with each passing week. You're seeing the likes of Navarroque and Lagerbiel are nowhere near it, but somehow Phillips is. Quan, Quan, Quan. I mean, geez, just there's no answer to that one. And various others, Thiago Holmes out the side at this moment in time, Bernardo doesn't get any minutes again. And I don't know, it's just recruitment is the biggest issue, but we don't have the answers to Paddy's question there, Muff, because it's, it's it's just been a baffling summer all round. Yeah, it has. And I, I feel like a broken record. I just keep repeating it. It, it makes no sense to me. And, and now we're seeing the, the damage that's been done as a result of that because you mentioned the three subs. It's Roger saying, I'm looking at my bench. I, 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 can't, I can't go to my bench for, for what I need. And considering the amount of numbers that we have, that's that's you know that's really really telling. Yeah, I keep saying it. Thirty-two man first team squad, but not thirty-two quality players. Absolutely not. So that's the the bigger issue. Tell will do. Well, we're lighting the mood with the the mystery cell. Joe, did you catch last week's one? I did not catch last. Oh no, I did actually. I who did. Was, was it? Who was it? Skepovic. Yes, so was, that's right. Masters delivering the question. Yes. So it was Stefan Skepovic. Um, very well done, Muff. It was a it was a decent one to start with. Um, so I've got one for you for today. So if you're ready to go, Joe, I'll give you the clues. You can help Muff along. He struggles with these. So okay. 
if you can bail the boy out. Pirate man, honestly, he's and then he's like, right, quick, what was your answer? <laughs> so, clue number one, a joint Celtic from Feyenoord. There's obviously a few. Anyone jumping out? Henry Larson. That was the one that I was going to guess, but I just thought, no, it's not that. I was capped twice for the Netherlands and 15 times for their under-21s. Reggie Blinker. It's in Braffheit. No, no. Reggie Blinker was Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't he? Clue number three, and this might be where you kick in with. Is it Bristol City or Bristol Rovers that you like? Bristol City. City. After leaving Celtic, I spent time on loan at Bristol City, where I played alongside XL Paul Hartley. Yes, that's exactly who it is. We'll get it beeped out, but Joe's got it. He's bailed you out again, Miff. Um, so we'll beep that out. What we'll do is we'll post the, clo- the clues across your Twitter and Instagram pages so people can have a try there, and we'll reveal the answer in next week's show. Uh, Miff, to take it back to on the park stuff, we play Feyenoord on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock kickoff, match day 6 of the Champions League, and it is the, the biggest dead rubber of all time. It's hard to get excited about it, particularly what happened on Sunday there. What are you expecting from this one? A decent performance. But with us falling quite short again, that, that's been the theme of the Champions League. I hope I'm wrong. I think, you know what? There is still a lot to pre- play for. I know that everybody's talking about it being a dead rubber. See a lot of spares flying about on X former known as Twitter. But for me, it's a free hit for the players and probably a good game to come at the right time. Now, everybody keeps going on about this. Oh, he's having won a home game in 10 years. Look, I've been playing in the Champions League for, you know, 10 years since it happened and all that nonsense. So, firstly, there's that chance of going out and writing that wrong, going out and winning a game at home against a good, but no better than good, Feyenoord side, who we were competing very well against, lost a terrible, terrible goal um, at a bad time against them. And then obviously the second half was the second half. I still don't think Lager Bielke is sending off, sending off, don't care what MD says. Mm. So for me, after the events of the weekend, it's one of those games players can just approach and go right at it. You know, fans get behind the team. Team, play for the fans and just get ourselves kind of back on track as we go through this busy period. That's how I'm viewing it. Try to look at things positively because I know, you know we're doing our, our post-mortem as, as we do. We chat it through. Everybody's deflated after a defeat. Yes, but you've got to bounce back, you've got, got to go at it and that, that's what we want to see off the team. We want to see them coming out, fired up and I'm really, really hopeful that that'll happen. What we don't want to see is like a, a sort of tepid, you know, first half against St. Johnson, second half against Kilmarnock, tepid performance because the team has got in it the ability to play well in these the, these games as they've shown against Atletico Madrid not, not that long ago. So let's have more of that, please. Let's get out, let's get after it and let's get a victory on the board. Positive stuff. I mean, Joe, aside from the, the players' motivations, and listen, as professionals, regardless if it's a dead rubber, they should be motivated, if for nothing else, for personal pride and to play their way back into the team. Some of the guys have let themselves down recently. But just as a fan, how how are you feeling? Are you are you excited, motivated in any way? What's your overall feeling ahead of this one? Well, as Elon Miff in the corner said, I seen on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, I did see one guy post, uh, I've got a spare for fine order, I'm willing to swap it for a vape. <laughs> so it was summed up for me to be honest I think this was like straight after the Lazio game when feelings were even more raw than they are now um, as you say I, as a fan I'm not a you know I've not overly bothered with this game I'm sure and within Celtic they were obviously trying to win the game and they'll be absolutely determined to win the game because as you say as a player you want to win at all costs 
No, I mean, the bonus you probably get if you win a European game. I think that alone would probably be enough to get people up for it. But, I mean, I think it's something like two and a half. Is it two million euro you'd get two and a half million you get if every, you win? But two million euro every three points you pick up is something like 900 grand for a point. Pistol if you Pete, get the win. Pistol Pete will be doing the team talk. So. <laughs> He'll get them more if he's all right. It's, it's one of those, there's probably a lot at stake for, st- still, even though it's you know, on paper a dead rubber. Um, I mean, the final of anything they play for? I think they're now settled in third, so I don't think they can qualify. But they settled in third. So, it, so it's also a bit of a non-event for them. Aye. So we, we don't know what they'll bring to town. Um, team-wise, Joe, I think it's got to be something along the lines of uh, Scott being in goals. Lager Bielk at the back with Bernabe just on his left-hand side and Quan oh. patrolling the, the oh, midfield. Oh, oh. Very mention. He got his mention. Um, I don't think it'll be anything like that, but it might... They're not in the squad. We anyway. might see... Aye, true. But we might see some changes. Is there anything of note that you think Brendan Rodgers might do? I mean, it's a relentless, you know, spell of games, you know, between now and the turn of the year. If nothing else, it might be wise to rest a couple of key players, whether they want to be rested or not, I don't know. Is there any point in playing Callum McGregor? Should we give him his break now? And a game that doesn't mean anything, for example? I mean, it's it's a tricky one because I think I, I think there's there's needs to be some sort of a balance that you want to win the game. You don't also don't want to be embarrassed. Now, bear in mind we get beaten fairly comfortably, and Rotterdam sending offs aside, they were the better team. I know whenever at Kyogo there was a few guys missing for whatever reason, but I think we need to be wary that you know we don't want a real doing here because I think I think that will do a lot more harm than good yeah. um, dead rubber or not but I'd like to see a few guys aren't aren't, aren't really been involved you know like say, I mean I say old and Tiago home I think when he signed I was I was raving about how good he was in football manager that's <laughs> as far as it's went so far um, you know that's not real life eh I know but come on it's, they've got a good track record um, but I do think that the guys like that maybe do need more minutes and what just concerns me though is that I mean he doesn't even for the likes of him doesn't even make the bench against Kilmarnock on Sunday now I mean we could go back on this but guys like that signings that we've made aren't even making the squad over guys like James Forrest guys that are sort of seen as guys that have been there seen it done it and yeah it's a puzzling one Um, I would like a bit of rotation but I don't want it to be a complete overhaul because I think I want We've got a lot of pride at stake. Yeah. Joe, you were at the away game, weren't you? In Feyenoord? I was. Yeah, I was. so what was the vibe? Obviously, we lost on the night after playing pretty well, you know, certainly in the opening spell of the game. Sendings off absolutely changed things. Tiago Home should have been sent off. Lager Belka shouldn't have. You know, I think one out of two was the, the call there. Um, but what was the vibe like after that game as you, as you leave the stadium then? Because there was quite a lot of positivity in general. It was a good display, but ultimately, yet another so near yet so far for Celtic in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I think there was always a case of what if, you know, what if Lager Bielka doesn't get sent off, what if we don't give that free kick away? Because, I, I mean, at the time, the free kick was a really daft one to give away. Yeah. i never seen it at the time. i seen it in retrospects. It's hard to gauge what the atmosphere was like at the time, but when I mean, I, the kill on the wall. It, when I was watching it, I, I was just like, that was so needless. That that was what mm. I felt. I was like, oh, no. <sighs> well, that was what we thought at the time as well, but, I mean, you've seen the kill going the wall stuff after, but... At that point, there was still optimism because you had loads of injuries and I think Lewis Palmer would only played his second or third game and there was a lot of things that were sort of, you know, they were sort of giving a lot of guys the benefit of the doubt for how early on it was. Um, but optimism, all in all, because we still had five games left. Yeah, I think I'd done the post-match. I can't remember who it was with. Um, apo- it apologies to my, my 
esteemed colleague I've forgotten maybe it was you Joe um, but anyway doing the post-match I, I declared at the time the way I was feeling despite the defeat was we'll beat them at Celtic Park I was really strong on it I thought we've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and we'll beat them at Celtic Park now I suppose in my head at that time I was thinking that we'll have still had something to play for and the landscape's changed and so I mean the way Celtic season is going it's very inconsistent it's up and down Celtic could go and turn them over or Equally, we could take a doing as, as Joe suggested. I mean, Miff, do you do you think we should take the opportunity to rest, or or as Joe says, there's I suppose there's that balance to be found because a, a demoralising defeat could have further impact on this squad, which I is clearly lacking a bit of confidence. I, I don't I don't think there'll be much rotation. I think we'll go with the strongest available eleven. I I can't see him messing about with that. Will he put Kugo back in? Yes. Yeah, and I think he should. And um, what we'll do, we'll do the countdown to kick off. That's our pre-match show. That'll be on Tuesday, tomorrow, ahead of this one. And as always, we'll have the final whistle show available shortly after the game. Um, if I mentioned that uh, relentless run of fixtures between now and the turn of the year, and it includes four league games that we've still got remaining. So it's Hearts at home on Saturday coming, then it's Lovett at home, Dundee away on Boxing Day, and obviously Rangers at home on the 30th. Uh, we asked the question last week, but now know the answer. Have Celtic created a, a title race all of their own making? But we no longer have that cushion we had at the top and we games in hand and whatnot the gap could be down to as little as two points. It's it's precarious all of a sudden. Absolutely, and we've only got ourselves to blame, but also, you know, you need to credit Rangers and the fact that they've they've been consistent and they've they've been they've, <laughs> they've, they've they've been they've been beating beating teams that, that we've not. So that's what happens. We we know how this works and it's in our hands to do something about it. But the, the fact is that the end of this run of fixtures brings you the best possible opportunity to do that. Yeah, I seen a tweet yesterday uh, from Celtic First saying that that one at Ibrox is papering over a lot of the cracks and I get where he's coming from. Listen, ultimately Celtic had to go and win that game and they done, so they, they deserve credit for doing so. But you do wonder, had we not managed to get that, that result on the day, you know, obviously Lagard Bielka get fortunate with the correct far call, but, you know, got lucky and all that stuff. Um, we could be in a far worse position than, than what we are. And as Miff says, we'll always do these post-mortems, but we are top of the league, Joe, so there, there is that. But for how long is the question? Yeah, I mean, I don't always like pressing the panic button that much because I don't th I don't think it's always necessary. I think we love it. We just press it early. Uh, it's just for, for absolute stress. I, I, think Celtic, I think Celtic fans do in general. Um, I think we have seen this result from the weekend coming for a while, but we do have a title race on. Um, it's going to... These next fixtures are always going to be defining because this is the these are the games that you really test your squad. Um, and I'm not going to be drawn I, I don't want to get drawn too much into Rangers but they've also starting to get a bit of injury problems as well so it's going to be a test of their squad um, we've got probably not as bad fixtures in terms of on paper I think we've got I mean we've got as you say we've got Dundee away where we've got a fairly good record not obviously not to be taken lightly but we've probably got a not as bad a fixture run as we've probably had in previous years last time of year Um and we've also got Rangers at home, which I think people forget that we, as you know, poor as we've been this year, you know, in the last couple of weeks, that we do have form on our side in that fixture when it comes to games at Parkhead. Um, and even getting a point in that game is is still valuable. Um, so it's not, maybe not be considered a must win like other games have been. I mean, of the four games, Muff, it's, as I say, Hearts, Levy, Dundee, and Rangers. Do you know what? As I said, Celtic are consistently inconsistent this season, aren't they? They could go and get 12 points out of that, or equally, far less. I mean, how, how do you see going? Do you have any idea at this moment in time? Can you gauge? No, no, no I don't. And, and the home performances have been probably 
a bit worse than the, the away performances, if, if I'm being honest. Um, so, listen, you, you just need to wait and see how it goes. I, I think Joe's point around forum there in the games at Celtic Park, but it, as we've discussed in, in depth, it's a different team now. Uh, what will, will be interesting is, before we get to that point in the, the breaking up, are there going to be players returning? You know, what what's the what is the bulletin on the likes of Hitati, Vickers, Maeda and Abada? Um, by the sounds of it, Vickers being in there is is probably the most crucial thing because he keeps the he keeps the back door shut. But for the rest for the rest of those guys, you know, I, I think a bit of fresh, pacey attacking and quality attacking impetus is required. And we, we miss we miss the different attributes of those guys. You know, the likes of Abada who can be frustrating, always liable to pop up with a goal or an assist. Maeda's constant work rate, which would have went a long way to counteracting what you you seen at Kilmarnock. And then just the, the genius of Hitati, um, you know, his ability to create from, from very little. It, it's no surprise that the team, after a prolonged period of time without all three in it, have, have struggled to find the level of consistency that they had previously managed. Yeah, I mean, you've right, rightly re- referenced Carter Vickers, Hitati, Maeda, Nevada. They all walk into Celtic's first team at any time and... There's, there's little wonder Joe that when you take out the, those four quality operators and listen they've all got their different skill sets and Maida's he's a guy that frustrates some but there's, there's no question how how effective a role he plays for Celtic and it's just natural when you take them out you're going to struggle I think the chat is that Abad and Maida are back on the training pitch which is a positive don't yet know how far away yes Smith back on the grass back on the grass yep so we don't know how far away they are from playing by all accounts Carter Vickers should be fine for Wednesday so he'll likely line up there uh, just behind Quan. And Hatati, less less clear on him. It's certainly a, a new year thing, but I just we don't know how far away he is. And even though he had a stop start beginning to the campaign, Joe, there's no doubt like Hugo when he's on form, Hatati's one of our most talented operators and we've missed him more than we realised. Yeah, we have. And I think just as you're saying that about the four guys we're missing, I mean, competition raises standards that regardless of what's what the, the, what's the line Rogers used, competition can sometimes be the best coach. That's what he said last week. Oh. Um, cheesy as it sounds, no. but the uh, you've got a goalie there with no competition. You've got a left back there with no competition. You know you've got very little competition up front. So yeah, it's a great saying. It's great buzzwords. It's not true at this moment in time. Yeah, and I think I, I think it shows you. I mean, it obviously shows you our depth that we have, the, our lack of depth that we have. If you compare it to Rogers' first spell, where I mean. The midfield three sort of varied, whether you'd Brown, McGregor, Armstrong, you still had Rogic, you still had Christie and there eventually. I think Beaton started out with Rodgers at that point. Like you had guys there that known if you'd had a bad game, there was someone there to fill your boots. Like there was abs- like I mean with Dembele and Griffiths, Dembe- Griffiths went forty goals, scoring the league, and then gets dropped after getting injured and someone steps in. It's a, it's such a it's so important to have guys like that available and have quality available. And at this moment in time, we just don't for whatever reason. Um, so that is why the likes of Mikey Johnson, who hasn't, I, I've been giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. Easy, Joe. I know, I know. But if you've got an Abada who's coming back, return to fitness, they're and thereabouts in the squad, Mikey Johnson's performance is going to raise because he's thinking, there's a guy in my back here if yeah. I don't show it. There's a biz- bizarre thing. Mikey Johnson's done okay at times in the last couple of games, but not brilliant. Absolutely, you know, need to accept that. But, there's not really anyone else, so he, he might well get another start during the week if he's in that squad, which I th- yeah, he is. Yeah, he, is. he might well play against Feyenoord. Um, 
James Forrest doesn't put any great pressure on him. James Forrest at this moment in time is just, he's being a good professional. He probably trains very hard, looks after himself, makes himself available for every game. But, but he's no longer a game changer, I don't think, Miff. And I know you're a huge fan, but anyway, we've gone a wee bit off-piste uh, in terms of those those fixtures that I mentioned. That's George's, what we call a Tino log. Yes, true. Um, but do you want to ask Miff the question? Can we get 12 from 12 in those four games? Uh, or, or, I mean... Well, we certainly can, but will we? <laughs> I mean, that's... That's a million dollar question. No, I, I think the guys returning to the squad, the squad with injuries will certainly make a difference. As Muff says, Carter Vickers' uh, timescale, I mean, that is crucial given his record with and without him. Um, so we'll wait and see. I honestly think I see it as a bit of a lottery. Um, I think we tend to perform better against your know, more tricky teams, you know, the likes of your Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen. I know Hibs away, but we drew, but. Generally speaking, teams that have a go at us, we tend to sort of perform a bit better. So, Hearts give it solely, I would see as fancying ourselves because I think they will come out of Parkhead and have a go. They'll target Greg Taylor at left back, which every team seem to do. Yeah. Um, so, honestly, it's a bit of a lottery. I could see he's winning against Hearts comfortably. The other one's been a bit of a struggle. But, you know, it's of fitness-wise, it depends where we stand, really. Yeah, there's no doubt that all of a sudden that Hearts game has become massive in the context of the season. Final will be what it'll be, and, and it won't have any bearing in terms of you know places or anything like that. But the Hearts game is absolutely the, the biggest show in town, and it's the, the next one coming up. It's a massive game, but it doesn't really change anything. Every game's massive at Celtic. You know, it, it, the Kilmarnock game is massive, the St Johnson game is massive. The, the expectation is that you're going to go out and win. I think what would be more reassuring for us as fans would be if there was pretty much a settled team or there was a, a style of play that had been enhanced from the start of the season. Not really seen any of that. You know, you take the Kilmarnock game, you could still have been 2 3 nothing up in the first 20 minutes. Keepers made a couple of really tidy saves, specifically the one for the cutback. Mikey Johnson's coming in. Um, McGregor's cut the ball back and he's, he's just tipped the ball away from him. He, you know, probably won't get down as a shot and goal or, or, or a save, but it's, it's mm -hmm. a brilliant bit of work. There were times there when Celtic could easily score two, two or three goals and took the pressure right off. They didn't. They didn't take their chances. You know, those chances well that you references, and and that that's what puts pressure on you. But at small outbursts, there've been some excellent play for the team. You know, second half against St Johnston was like the handbrake was off. They really, really went for it. At times against Hibs in the first half, they were really, really fluid. So it it, it has been happening interspersed with all this in different form. It's been quite wild. It's went it's went from one extreme to another, all, all, in a, all in a short space of time. So it's really just about finding finding that formula to go on one of these runs, which we know Rogers is capable of doing, and we know Celtic are capable of doing. Many members of this squad are capable of doing. So it's really just about finding that key and that balance. I think what Rogers has probably done is he spent a wee bit too much time trying to blend in players who just ultimately aren't good enough. And I think what he has to do now is just be a wee bit more brutal about it. Yeah. You know, guys coming in, like Bernardo coming in, start two games, drop, doesn't see for five, then comes back in, plays half an hour, drops away again. No, just go to your, your fixed pool, who you can rely on. You've surely seen enough of these guys to say, yeah or nay, cast the ones to the side that aren't going to play rather than, you know, what it seems to be keeping them happy by selecting the odd one that's got to be in the bench and the odd one that isn't. Something that one week they drop out the squad, then the next week that they're in, then the next week that they're starting. You know, try and try and go and give us some form of settled team and see see how that goes. Because currently, 
it's the performance level that's suffering yeah. as a result. And that, as we know, is what really, really irks Rogers. I think Wayne Sellers should do that as well, though, because without going too much into it, I mean, I've looked in the past where we've unfortunately been in this position quite a few times, um, where it's been a dead rubber, where, you know, I think Sorrow gets his run in the team based on a performance that was a dead rubber when we weren't playing well. Um, Turnbull was in the same game. I think Connor Hazard did three or four games at that point as well. Now, not to say that these guys have set the header alight, but times like this where we are struggling and we are giving guys a chance, you know, as much as we have changed it very periodically in terms of Bernardo getting very, very little runs in the team, that this is the time of year where we have got a lot of fixtures. And I think naturally we're going to use a big squad and there's no better, slightly backtracking my earlier point, that maybe playing guys like home and playing guys like Bernardo is going to make a difference. Because um, ultimately the pressure's off, really. We, uh, we love a bit of backtracking here, Joe, so don't worry about that at all. <laughs> We've um, here, Joe. But I think, uh, I think just ultimately what we're seeing just around this chat off is that the starting 11 is really inconsistent at this moment in time and it's little wonder that the results have now become inconsistent as well. So it's a puzzler, it's a worry and the hope is that if not Feyenoord, at least by the weekend against Hearts, Brendan Rodgers can find the solution because it's, it's something that could potentially become a big issue for us across the season. Um, very last question for you and we'll need to make it short. You might have seen the headlines during the week that Celtic have been closely linked with Bojan Majofsky, something in the region of £4 million. Pounds. Would you sign him in January? Probably because I think we'll need For the Asian Cup reason yep. alone, yeah. Yep. What do you think of him in general as a striker? I think he's decent. I actually like Duke better than him but I see Duke's been right out of the picture so I don't really know what's happened there but he, he looks. He looks. He's an international centre forward. I think he'd come in. And he'd score goals. Um, he's got twelve for the season so far. At a pretty limited Aberdeen uh, side. I, th- I think. I, th- I think he'd be. I think he'd be a good. I think he'd make the. You know, he would make the team better. And I say that in the sense that he would be a better option than than O currently at this point. Yeah. I know O has has done fairly well recently, but he t- he does tend to miss some fairly glaring chances. Yeah. Folk have said four million. That's that's far too much to be paying for a guy from the Scottish leagues. But you might as well spend it because it's just sitting gathering dust anyway, Joe. So it doesn't matter if it's one million, two million, or four. There's there's nothing to be gained from not spending the cash and it's sitting there. So I, my feeling is that we should be signing him. I think, yeah. as Miff says, he improves what we've got just now. Now, whether he's Champions League quality or not, going into next season, hopefully, um, we just don't know. But I think he makes us better. Yeah, I think I think he makes us better as well. And I don't think since he's come in for Aberdeen, he's been exceptional. Like for their level, he's been exceptional. Um, scored a couple of goals in Europe as well, albeit Conference League. But as going back to my previous point, I mean, I mean competition just raises the standards. Now, when you've got Kyogo and O, I mean, Kyogo's not, as you say, he's not been really performing at his best. O's come in, I know he's scored twice, but really, has he really threatened Kyogo at his best? No, I don't think he has. I think you need that extra player to lift the standards um, now again I know Asian Cups coming at it and they two guys won't be there but I don't think this is a short term solution either I think longer term is probably a good option as well he's only 24 so he, not young young of course but young enough that he could be developed further and, and potentially become a better player within a better team yeah and I think even like likes of Sunday we could have absolutely done with him where we're not going to sign I mean let's face it every player that we sign they're not all geared up for Champions League. They're not all geared up for Rangers. They're all geared. They're geared up to play a part when they need to play a part. And I think four million these days. I mean, honestly, it's a going rate. They're talking about this guy from Denmark. I, I, 
I will not even going to try and attempt to pronounce his name. Matthias Kvisgarden. Kvisgarden. Oh. So, oh, decent. Super. You've let's let Matt Riley over there. Um, but they were, they were talking £8 million for him when yeah. really he's not fully established. He's only 21. Is it because he's from abroad that we've not heard of him that it's there's a bit of an unknown he looks, he looks like he'd be an 8 million project signing an 8 million pounds maybe well, and that's that's something that Celtic can't afford to do uh, Joe as we start to wrap things up great to have you back on the show your final comments for the week please great to be back um, yeah it was disappointing from Sunday Wednesday will be interesting um, I don't interesting in the sense of the team that he's going to play what really the feeling will be after the result win, lose or draw Um but a bit of a concerning time just now. Um, hopefully, guys will be coming back and we'll have a lot more options and we can sort of kick on a bit further. A really important run of games running up, uh, coming up and just hopefully we've got enough to see us through it for now. Yeah, I hope so. My last word of the day goes to yourself. Probably fitting if I just start singing the town I love so well just to make sure everybody greets at the end of the podcast. I know it's going to be quite a sombre, sombre tone. Um, but these things happen when we get beat. We're Celtic fans. We're used to winning... We hate getting beat. We also feel that we're making a bit of an of this uh, week that we had. Sorry, Dave, if that's some extra work for you. But for me, it's still in our control. We still have quality within the squad. We've got brilliant quality still to come back. It's really just about saying, right, we we know where we've went wrong. We, we genuinely, legitimately learning the lessons from that and making sure that we play the best players in their best position. Get those guys that have come in this summer, if it is Navroki, Lager, Bielka, whatever. Are they better centre-halves than Nat Phillips? I would suggest so on the evidence that I've seen. Let's get them in the team. Let's get them a run of games and let's address this inconsistency that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely lessons to be learned. It's just how quickly Celtic can learn them and apply the lessons. So that wraps things up on this latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to Miff and Joe for joining me. And of course, our thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday with the Counting to kick off ahead of that Feyenoord game. In the meantime, as always, thanks for supporting the Celtic Exchange and we'll see you again soon. Network.